Welcome to Wealth Builders Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Marcus Cron. We interview experts so you can understand all aspects of real estate investing. Whether you're a passive investor or an experienced syndicator, this podcast can guide you on your journey of building wealth through real estate. If you want to get in touch with me directly to learn more about real estate or to see all of the available podcast episodes and show notes, visit my website, marcuscron.com. Hey guys, Marcus Cron here. Welcome to Wealth Builders Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I'm joined by Yona Weiss, who is an expert in helping real estate investors save money on their taxes through cost segregations. Yona is known as the cost seg king, and he really lives up to that name. And uh, he will reveal why real estate is such a valuable asset class because of all the tax savings you can get. So you'll definitely want to listen into this full episode to learn more. So Yona, I really appreciate you coming on here. Welcome to the show. It is my pleasure, Marcus. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, great to be here. It's an honor to have you on. I mean, you're big. You've been on so many shows and it's a pleasure to have you on and, and start this conversation off. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of an intro. If my audience hasn't heard of you already or heard of you on different shows or your own podcast, yeah, a little bit about Yona. He's a regional business director of Madison Specs, a division of Madison Commercial Real Estate Services, renowned for his knowledge in cost segregation. He's a sought-after resource throughout the commercial real estate industry. In addition to having saved his clients tens of millions of dollars in taxes, Mr. Weiss uses his unique ability to interact and connect with professionals and the layman alike to build strategic partnerships in the marketplace, creating win-win situations for all. He's hosted and been a guest on, I mean, it says dozens of podcasts, but you're probably, what, over over 100 now? What's... Yeah, it's well over 100. I lost track. <laughs> yeah, lost track. So. I mean, he's a wealth of knowledge. I know you're going to enjoy this this episode. So before we get too far into it here, you want to tell a little bit more about yourself and, and what you kind of focus on within the real estate industry? Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, my focus in, in real estate specifically is, like we said, cost segregation. So that's my expertise. And it's really helping people um, really more by anything else, educating people. But, you know, the business that we have is to help people save taxes through uh, this really cool process that we're probably going to talk about, cost irrigation. Um, I'm father to six children. I have a, you know, beautiful family, love spending time with them and enjoying uh, social media, you know, networking. I love to go to events and, and meet people. I'm a connector very much so. I try to strategically connect people as much as possible, kind of a gift that I have where I just kind of think of the right people to, to mix and match and, and connect with one another. And, um, you know, been not really been in real estate for that long in the industry for about five years. So my background is really in, in teaching and education. So that's really where my passion lies and I uh, hope it comes, you know, comes out in this, uh, in this discussion. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, I can see your background. Like you said, you're an educator, came from that background and it really shines through in everything that you do. I mean, you become like really a thought leader and, and an expert in educating people on this, you know, what some people might call dry subject of right. taxation in, in real estate, right? But somehow you've been that person that everyone looks to for, you know, understanding what it is and, and really looking to you for your expertise, right? And you've provided so much valuable content about it. And then even the aspect about you being a connector, right? Like, 100% agree with that. I mean, I would consider you, I've heard this term before, whether it was in a book or something like that, but a power connector, right? Like you are over the top, like in terms of your efforts on social media, LinkedIn, you're always 
looking to engage with people and connect and, and help other people connect, right? So going back into some, the real estate aspect here, like why real estate? Why you came from education? What intrigued you by real estate? How'd you get into the space? What, what was it uh, that in, piqued your interest? Um, so what piqued my interest originally was I was looking for something more, uh, you know, a little more income, different avenue to, to kind of draw some more income and some wealth. And I had a few friends that were in real estate from, you know, in different areas for many years. But I, I really, I asked myself a question. I was, you know, had been, had no interest whatsoever in going back to school for any, anything whatsoever, but I wanted to do something. I was like, what's a field that I can get into that has two variables that are interconnected and very important. Number one, what is, you know, something I can do that requires no formal education. Okay. And, and I'm much more of a, a learner on the job kind of person where just being involved and sitting around people and hanging around the right people. I just pick up what they're doing uh, from doing that. So I don't, you know, necessarily need a classroom, which is funny because in my experience in teaching, it, that's not really how I learn. <laughs> it's just from, from being around the people and picking up that way. Um, so that was the one aspect. And the second aspect was, then I asked myself, what field can I get into that has the maximum possible, you know, income and, you know, wealth generator. And I looked around at friends and I saw, you know, people who were brokers, who were mortgage brokers, who were, you know, apartment investors and commercial real estate and many different things. And I saw there's so much potential in the industry itself, so many different ways to create wealth and to, and to, you know, get a very high income uh, proportionally. And, and I saw, you know, the vast majority of people who have built, you know, wealth has been through real estate investing. So I kind of took those two things as a sign. I was like, okay, now let's just put it out there and see what comes. And I just kind of reached out to a bunch of friends and was like, Hey, you know, looking for something a little different. And it just kept all leading back to, to real estate. And so that was, I just went with it. Yeah. And I like how you kind of mentioned about like, yeah, you like to learn on the job, learn on the fly, like rather than that formal classroom of having to sit there, study every single book, go through this lesson plan, but just actually going through the process of just learning what needs to be learned and, and educating yourself. And that can be much more powerful than going through that process of sitting there in a classroom where people go through university and they get a degree where it's like, hey, I sat through something that I didn't want to learn and I did an assignment that I did just to complete it where did you really learn something that's valuable to you? Right. And that's something that I struggled with is like yeah, going through classroom education or university or even high school. It's just like, I'm sitting here like learning something that I'm a motivated guy. And like, I just wanted to do good. Right. Like I wanted to get a good grade, but it's like, did I learn that much? Even though I got a good grade, I like fit into this box and, and got exact, did exactly. Exactly. What. And can you apply it? Can you do anything yeah. with it? Right. right. That was my biggest pet peeve in school. And I, I really was not the best student per se in school, uh, which is part one of the reasons why I you know wanted to become a teacher is because you know, the teachers that I liked and that I enjoyed in the class were the classes I enjoyed the most. And so I think it's a lot more about um, about the, you know, your experience with the with the classroom environment and the and the teacher more than the subject matter for a lot of for a lot of kids and a lot of students. But you know, one of my biggest pet peeves was like am I ever going to use this? Like, why do I need to learn, you know, algebra and, uh, you know, trigonometry and all like, 
I'm not going to be an engineer. I'm not going to be uh, what like I don't need to know learn this like what. And so you know it all comes back to well it teaches your brain to think in in certain ways and it's good for et cetera et cetera. But again, back to your point, you know, are you just going through the motions to get the grades? Are you going through that to kind of the status and whatever? To me, education should be a lot more. Um, you know, how can I apply this? And obviously there are skills to learn. There are ways, you know, methods, thinking uh, and things outside the box and box and applying strategies. But, you know, more than anything, uh, that's really what drove me. It was like, I want to do something. I want to learn something like on, on the job kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. And, and just me reaffirming that, like, that's how I, the process I went through, like going through school, I'm like, ah, not loving this. And then I got addicted to like, self-education and learning and real estate was where my passion was in. Right. And I'm just like, I just want to absorb everything I can and learn all about it. Right. And, and that kind of leads to where, where we are today. Like I learned a lot from podcasts and that kind of led me to starting a podcast to talk to other people, to learn more, but share that knowledge with others. Right. And I think building an audience of people that want to learn about it too. Right. I think my siblings and and brothers and sister are like, (laughs) it's a joke. They're probably sick and tired of hearing me talk about real estate and the benefits and, and all of the aspects of it. I mean, right. the, the joke saying like, do you only talk about cash flow? Or <laughs> so it's, it's, it's funny, but uh, going back to like your real expertise here, like in cost segregation, what is the basics? What do we need to know about it? What do we need to know about it as real estate investors? Could you kind of highlight some of the, the aspects of cost segregations? Yeah, I think why it's important to note is, you know, one of the, one of the things that people talk about a lot in real estate is it's a great way to build wealth. Um, and there are a lot of tax advantages, you know, you build equity and, and there's, you know, appreciation and the tax benefits that come along with it, but the tax benefits, right. There are a few, but the main one is depreciation. And really what cost segregation is, is just an advanced form of depreciation. And that's really all it is. And so, that's why it's so important to know because it's not about how much you make. It's more about how much you keep. And I know it's kind of cliche, but it's so true. And that's how people have built so much wealth in real estate is because you're making money and it's not taxed through these strategies that you can actually have so much income. And even though you're making so much money and literally to the point where you're making like ridiculous amounts of money and then using these tax advantages to not actually pay any income tax on it. And so that's why it's so important is, um, and so we will get into a little bit, you know, the mechanics of how it works, but I think that's something that, you know, you you need to have at the front of your mind. You don't need to know all the ins and outs, right? You can have experts on your team that deal with that, but you actually need to know that it's there. Right. And I think it comes down to like core to what cost segregation is. A big component of that is depreciation. What is that? What does that mean? How is that applicable and how can it be used as a real estate investor? And why is it so important? Can you kind of highlight depreciation and why it's important to real estate investors? Yeah. Depreciation. I mean, there's a big difference between the definition of depreciation and what it actually means from a tax perspective. So depreciation means like something's going down in value, right? It's, you know, going down in value is time going on. Um, And there is some truth to that. You know, you understand that you drive a car off the lot, right? It's worth less, right? Once you drive it off the lot. Um, But it's not intrinsic, 
Okay. And so that's really where it comes from um, depreciation from a tax perspective is that it's a tax deduction that the IRS gives you based on the principle that things go down in value as time goes on. So you're allowed to actually, when you buy a building, any type of property besides for your personal residence, you're immediately allowed to take the entire purchase price, okay, however much was spent, even if you didn't put any money down, right? Even if it was financed, even if there were investors going, you take that purchase price and now you can actually take that as a tax deduction, a tax write-off over a long period of time. Um, nevertheless, it's you actually allowed to stay. So that's what depreciation deduction says that this property is going to be going down in value as time goes on. So over the next 27 and a half years or 39 years for commercial properties, you're able to actually take the entire value and deduct a little bit every single year as if it were actually going down in value when, when in fact, as we know, it's appreciating. Most properties, real estate is one of the only things that intrinsically goes up in value as time goes on. Right. So, I mean, who should really be considering a cost segregation study? Should it be on every acquisition we're looking at? Or are there certain, certain aspects that, hey, it's going to be applicable to do a cost segregation study on this property, but, but not others? Could you kind of talk about that process a little bit? Sure. Well, cost segregation, I mean, in and of itself, like I said, it's just an advanced form of depreciation. We are able to take a lot of those deductions, front load them and take them up front. So the question becomes, do you need those deductions? Right? And a lot of people will say yes, because the more income you have, the more you can offset, the more you can use those deductions. Um, so usually people want to get it done in the, you know, um, on any property and every property they buy just to create those losses, to create those extra deductions that can use. But for depending on the size and type of property, it may you know be more beneficial than others. So my general rule of thumb is any property purchased for over half a million dollars is a no-brainer. I mean, there's just so much um, extra depreciation in there that you can front load, that you can take up front uh, in order to you know create that. It, it definitely makes sense. It still can make sense on smaller properties. I spoke to someone today who has you know a, a handful of single families that are all purchased you know between a hundred and you know three hundred thousand dollars, and they're all you know, once you bunch them together and you're doing it and you can use those deductions, it will still make sense. Right now, can you walk us through the actual process of what it looks like getting a cost segregation study initiated and started? You know, what is step one? Where do we start? Who do we reach out to? What does that look like in actually initiating that process and, and working through it? Well, the process is, is really simple and straightforward. The thing is that a lot of people don't even know that this exists because the tax thing, it's, you know, people hear taxes and they're, they're kind of brains shut off and they're like, well, I have an accountant, right? So my accountant's for sure taking care of that. When in truth, it's not just an accounting method, it's really an engineering method. Um, which so it's combining engineering and accounting. So you accountants don't do this, and you just can't hire a regular engineer off the street. You actually need someone, a firm like like you know there are a number of firms out there. My company Madison Specs are the biggest national firm that does this. You need someone to actually come and do this. So the first step is finding someone like that, um, and usually what we'll do is give you an upfront estimate, um, you know, uh, which is just projections of what the tax benefits would be by doing one. So even before you spend a dime, you can already know what my tax benefits are going to be if I do a full cost segregation study. So that's the first step. First step is just education, learning about it, understanding it, speaking with someone who can walk you through what it, what it is, how it works, and, and then if it's even beneficial. Um, that's the first step. 
after that, if you decide that it does make sense and you're you know willing to spend X amount of money, you know, a few thousand dollars to you know to get a conservation study done, and it makes sense for your business plan and for your property, then you we have engineers that will go to the property. And in fact, now we're doing it virtually. So we're doing virtual tours now because of the current situation. Uh, but we'll have someone actually go to the building, go to the property, whether in person or virtually, and um, measure you know, take pictures and measure everything in there. What we're doing is we're looking at things in the property that depreciate at a faster rate than the actual structure. So from a tax perspective, I'll take a kind of got ahead of myself for that, you know, describing really how, how conservation works. Essentially what we're doing is breaking down the building into different components and certain components depreciate, or you can take the value of those components as a tax write-off at a faster rate than others. So that's, that's what we do. That's what an engineer does. Comes and under, you know, breaks down the building from, uh, you know, on paper into different categories. And then you're allowed to, once you understand how much value is in the cabinets and the carpeting and in the appliances and the furniture and the fixtures, and each thing has a different value and has a different rate of depreciation, you can front load those deductions to a faster rate. And then that's it. We create a study which has a new depreciation schedule. And that one page you basically hand off to your accountant and that's it from beginning to end. Right. So should that be done or can it be done? Say you're looking at a new acquisition and you're thinking about, hey, how can the depreciation or these tax savings be incorporated into the overall returns of this investment property acquisition? Could you actually do that or initiate it during the due diligence period? Or are you typically waiting to actually close on the property to get the team out there, get the engineers reviewing the, the property? Or where do you kind of see the majority of people initiating that initial um, yeah. Yeah, study? Sure. Well, the first step is always, like I said, um, just getting that initial estimate and analysis, which will give you, even in the underwriting process, even before you acquire the property, that especially if you have investors and you want to look at your business plan, you want to see what your returns are going to be. And it kind of gives you a different perspective because you're not just looking at the, you know, the returns, you can be looking at the, uh, you know, the after-tax returns, which are much higher if you incorporate uh, the tax deductions that come along with it. So yeah, even doing due diligence, it's a great way to, to do that. That estimate doesn't require anyone going to the property. It's free and it's really kind of just a pretty quick turnaround to understand that. And, um, but otherwise, a lot of people like to do this, do the full study immediately after acquisition. So once you actually own the property, best to get it done so you can take advantage of this right away in the first year. Right, and how long does to get that team out there, to get them to conduct the actual physical on-site inspection of the, the different components of the, the property. How long does that usually take? Um, the, you know, the inspection itself does not take very long. Uh, you know, obviously depending on the size of the property, we're talking like, you know, uh, a 37 floor office tower, right? It's going to be different than, you know, a single family or a small multifamily. So, um, that typically the site tour is a you know one day one usually an hour a couple hour type type endeavor, and the turnaround of the actual study is just a few hours. So uh, not a few hours, excuse me, a few days or weeks, <laughs> a few hours. The study itself, the you know the tour will take a couple you know an hour or two, and then the study turns around. We try to turn around in a few weeks, so you get that done, um, and then you're ready for your tax returns. That's really when you need it. So if you're filing taxes in March. For 2020, let's say, um, you don't actually need the study done in the calendar year. 
you can get it done as long as you get it done um, in time to file your taxes. Right. And the real concept here is trying to accelerate the depreciation so you can front end load that depreciation right off expense right off the bat. Right. So what does it typically look like when you adjust that depreciation schedule? What is the usual building look like that you would amortize or depreciate the full building on mm-hmm. a regular schedule? And what are some of the, give maybe some, give some examples about what it looks like from certain components that you might amortize on a accelerated basis. Sure. Usually we're looking at a regular depreciation deduction is somewhere between two to 3% of the purchase price. Okay. So if you have a million dollar building, your annual depreciation would normally be somewhere around between $25,000 to $30,000 a year. Okay. Because we're taking the purchase price, we're subtracting a certain amount for the land that does not depreciate. And then we're able to, you know, take a little bit every year for 27 and a half year period or 39 for commercial. So it's going to be somewhere between two and 3%. With cost irrigation, we're analyzing the building. We're identifying what's called five-year property, personal property that, that depreciates on a five-year schedule, which is generally for multifamily properties. For example, um, you know, usually around 20 to 25% of the property is in that category, which means as opposed to a 3% deduction, right? Uh, $30,000 deduction on a million dollar property, you're looking at, um, you know, 200, 250,000. Uh, so we're talking a huge, a huge difference. And that's over the first five years. So you either can take the entire amount in the first year as a tax write-off, which is huge, or you can spread that extra $200,000 over five-year period, which is essentially doubling or tripling your you know, regular depreciation deductions. Right. And I've kind of heard the concept of uh, bonus depreciation. Now, what exactly is that? And how does that all tie into what you do and how you can help other real estate investors? Bonus depreciation is really just an, um, a really cool technique that you can do once you have a cost segregation study done. So first you need the cost segregation study. And when you do that, you're identifying property that depreciates faster. So you're taking, you're right, finding the personal property on a five-year schedule, finding land improvements on a 15-year schedule, and basically anything that depreciates faster, anything you take a tax deduction faster, you can now... Um, with bonus depreciation says you can take that entire amount in year number one. So you can actually front load it all into the first year. And that's really all that it is. Okay. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. So now talk about like if somebody's, which usually is done on this type of acquisition would be done. A multifamily property would be done through some sort of syndication, whether it be a fund, whether it be a, a specific property that's being acquired, but talk about how that works from, the accelerated depreciation, all those tax benefits that are being created through this cost segregation study, does that actually pass through to all the individuals involved, whether it be the general partner and then the limited partners as well? Does everybody benefit from that? Um, Yes, but it's going to be dependent on how much of the property they actually own. And it's going to be dependent on what the operating agreement, you know, details. So, it's usually the answer is yes, but it's not necessarily as straightforward as it sounds. But um, the normal case, you know, when we're talking about a syndication or, you know, people are buying a property in LLC, usually whoever is investing in that property, whether general partners or limited partners, they have a certain percentage of ownership of that property. And so according to their percentage of ownership, they're going to get their percentage of returns, okay, the income, 
coming from the property and they're going to get their percentage proportional to uh, to their income, they're going to get the proportional, their depreciation deductions. And it's basically split up just like that. So if you have 10 people that own a property equally and you have $30,000, you know, a year of depreciation regular, you're going to get, each one's going to get $3,000. So it's basically how that works. Right. So you kind of laid out the, the different aspects of or who's kind of involved in doing this cost segregation study. It's not just your accountant. It's just not your run-of-the-mill accountant. It's like, hey, he's going to take care of it, or she's going to take care of it. It's going to be engineers. Like, is there anybody else in the team involved in conducting this study and, and actually needed, or is it accountants and engineers and that's kind of it? Or could you kind of touch on that? Yeah, like I said, you need a you need a firm that's going to do this. So that, that consists of the accountants and the engineers because you're not going to have, um, you know, your accounting firm is not going to do this essentially. I mean, unless you work with one of the big four, you know, one of the large accounting firms in the country, some of the largest accounting firms, they will do cost segregation in-house because they have engineers in-house, but the 99% of accountants don't do this. So yeah, you're going to need a, a third-party firm like ours and you're going to, um, you know, that's going to be just another member of your team, another uh, very key element to your, you know, to your uh, returns. Right. So, now you have it, you've brought it up a little bit. You brought up Madison Specs, and that's your firm that you work with, and how you guys are. You've got a big national presence, and can you talk a little bit more about your organization and maybe what differentiates you from the competition? Um, yeah, there's no such thing as competition, right? I mean, it's really about <laughs> no. The, you know what? What amazes me is that you know I'm very big on social media, so I have a big presence. We're, uh, you know, local to the Northeast, to New York, New Jersey, but we spread out nationally. And so we work in all 50 states and we've become quickly the that, you know, been around for 15 years in the cost segregation space. And our company started out uh, really with a number of other commercial real estate services. So we're first and foremost, we're a title company, the largest national commercial title agents. So that kind of was one of the reasons why we originally started the cost segregation firm. Um, because we want adding other ways we can add value to our clients. So people are buying properties, want to be in there. We're, we do 1031 exchanges. We're a qualified intermediary. So we have a company that does that. We do due diligence and lease abstracting, cam auditing, all kinds of things for the actual due diligence and you know understanding that process of a commercial property. We do, you know, the consultation was on the tax side. Um, and so a lot of these ancillary kind of niche services within commercial real estate, and that's kind of how we, we spread out and, and got so big. Yeah. So you would say the biggest thing, well, aside from the quality of the service is really, you just have so many, a variety of services. That's really going to not necessarily be a one-stop shop for a group, but really they can look at the expertise across a broad range of professionals within the firm and like, do they even have like, let's call it a mom and pop type cost segregation company. Do they have like really small operators out there that are doing these types of things or if there are, there are some like fly by night or some, you know, small shops that are doing this. I'd say the majority of national conservation companies, and there are a handful of us out there that basically all of them, aside from us are more like tax consulting firms. So they have other tax services, um, not necessarily related to real estate. They'll, you know, do like R&D taxes and, you know, employment taxes, all kinds of different things like that. Whereas we're very much, you know, focused on real estate. And so that's really our business, not tax. We're not a, we're not a tax firm. 
And I think that's really what sets us apart as well. Um, that and the fact that we're very much entrepreneurial, meaning we we ourselves are entrepreneurs, you know, the firm itself. So we understand and the vast majority of real estate investors are entrepreneurs. Okay, there are definitely companies and there are REITs and, you know, all kinds of things. We work with those as well, but say a lot of people are, are have that spirit in them. And so we kind of relate to that, that we're growing, we're, we're trying to add value. We're trying to see how we can work with you. Um, and that sets us apart as well. Right. So now you've brought up the concept of being an educator, you're in education, being tax consultants, and just knowing how the area of taxes can be very confusing, can be very convoluted. It can be always changing, right, with new regulations coming in and, and all those different aspects of it. So how do you kind of stay up to date with the continued learning that's necessary to kind of stay up to date and ahead of the curve of kind of knowing what might be changing or how to keep your clients informed? Like, how do you go about staying on top of things? Sure. Well, we have, you know, a handful of uh, CPAs in our firm that, you know, they deal with the actual uh, studies and the tax you know, compliancy and all that stuff. So we have usually uh, at least once a month, we'll have like a workshop for everyone in our company, uh, you know, updates and the law and things that are going on. And so we're just continuing educating ourselves. And, and I have, you know, the access to these people who are really the experts doing this. You know, I, I couldn't be the COSSEG expert that I am if there wasn't a huge team behind me that was really the experts that have been doing this for, for decades. And so I have access to them that, you know, any question that I have, I'm constantly asking them and learning from them. Um, and, and that's really my biggest advantage. Right. Yeah. No, it's so important to have that team behind you and nobody can know everything. And that's kind of a theme, especially in real estate, right? Cause there's so many different aspects and moving parts. And as you can see, definitely within the, the taxation world and cost segregations and, having that team behind the cost egg king to, to, get, exactly. to keep you informed and up to date. Right. So I actually want to take a little bit of a, a shift here to talk a little bit about your podcast. I mean, you launched that recently. What is your focus and what has been your experience so far? Like how are you enjoying that? I, I enjoy podcasting. I mean, it's really when I started Weiss advice, it was really more than anything, just an opportunity for me to connect with uh, successful people that I know and learn from them and kind of get tips and advice and just learn a little bit more about them. So a lot of these people that have been on my podcast, I'd say the vast majority have been on multiple podcasts and you may have heard them talk about, you know, their story and about their deals and about the certain thing that they're good at and, and whatever, but you may not have heard, you know, just a, a down to earth conversation and you may not have heard uh, a little bit about their lives or about their business that uh, they haven't spoken about before. So that's, where I come in. It's more like a talk show where I just like kind of reach out to people that I know who are successful and pick their brains and just have a, a, a conversation, not specifically about any topic, but just really about whatever comes, whatever's on our mind. And so it's more about getting to know people who you may have already heard of or may already know, but just kind of want to learn a little more that you may have never heard before. Right. So it's really talking about the things that and sharing stories that you wouldn't have otherwise heard from these notable guys that or girls that have been on different shows and have shared their stories. But this is a little bit maybe behind the scenes of what's going on or, or stories that haven't been shared and, and really kind of digging into the authentic person behind who they are, right? And their persona that they have on other podcasts. So that's, you'd say that's kind of what differentiates you. So yeah, I mean, 
is there any objective or is it kind of just, Hey, I want to do this and have conversations or yeah. Like, do you have a direction that you'd like to accomplish or is it even, even go back a step further? Like, is there a focus specifically on real estate? The common denominator is real estate, which means like every single guest that I've had is involved in real estate uh, in some way or another. Most of them are investors, they're active and things like that. Uh, one, I, I, with the exception of one person to my memory who the episode hasn't even aired yet, but they're was kind of introduced to me from someone else and they're a sales uh, guru and a very, you know, well to know, you know, public figure. And so whatever, I, I had interviewed them, but a lot of sales has a lot to do with real estate as well. Um, so I think that conversation was very relevant. And and yeah, the goal really beyond anything else is just to add value, meaning to to pull out whatever I can from these people. I know they're successful. I know I know who they are. I, you know, I'm not picking people off the street that uh, I don't even know who they are. And I actually turn down, turn away, get you know people who, who ask to come on my show. I don't know them. I just I'd rather deal with people who I know and are vetted, and I know that these are the real deal. And now I can get to know them a little better and kind of dig deeper where um, and bring out some pearls of wisdom and advice uh, for the rest of us on how to get there. Yeah. And I think that's one of the real strengths of yourself, but also just in the element of the podcasting in itself, right? The opportunity to learn from experts, let them share stories, get to know them on a deeper level and let them share their wisdom and- let their message be magnified through the channels that allow a larger audience to hear them and get them to know who that person is. So it's really a very awesome channel. And yeah, I've listened to your show and really enjoyed it and want to thank you for the value you're putting out there. It's other people like you that are just contributing a lot to the community and the real estate community and just adding value to others. And on that note, I mean, another big channel that you utilize to a very high degree, right? And, and do it at a great level of connecting with others is through LinkedIn, right? And, and yeah. it'd be a shame not to bring it up on this show here. Well, because you're, you know, whether you have a nickname yet on the LinkedIn side, but I mean, you're the Kaseg King, but I mean, you might take that crown as well on LinkedIn. So can you talk about that platform and how do you utilize it? Why you like it so much or how it is really applicable to somebody in the real estate field and how they can utilize it to their advantage? Yeah, real estate is really, and this is what I found, is it's a people business, right? It's, you know, you've heard this before. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And there's a lot of truth to that, but there's also a lot of truth to, you know, networking, right? And and the way that you can grow your network on LinkedIn is tremendous. And social media in general is an incredible thing that people are just, drawn to it. The more you put in, the more you get out. So I've found just by being active on the platform and you're putting out content on a daily basis and whether that's related to my business or not, and just trying to help people connect with other people. It's incredible how that actually all comes back to your business. And so it's branding and people relate, you know, who you are to what you do. And that's really what branding is all about. So the the reason why I'm so active on it is because it all just comes back to that. Like people know me as the cost say king, but the only reason why they do that is because I'm posting all the time and I'm out there all the time. And believe it or not, probably about 10% or maybe 15% of what I post about is actually about cost segregation. So 
it's just the fact, you know, I'm on podcasts. And so, I'll, you know, I'll post that I was on a podcast so that maybe kind of, you know, indirectly related to the you know, consecration. But what happens is, is that your tagline, people who see your name, they see what you do and your tagline immediately, they, they connect that, they make that connection, how you can help them. And it's such an incredible tool to do that, that the more you're active, the more people just see you and seeing you, they're going to get to know you, get to know you. They'll get to like you, get to trust you, get to do business with you. And I can't tell you how many people you reach out to me and they're like, well, I, I feel like I know you already. <laughs> you know? I've yeah. never spoken to the person, right? But that's just incredible, the power of social media when you're just yourself and when you're just authentic and you're putting out content and just you know, helping people, it comes through and it shines through. And so that's the power of it. I literally had someone last week like reach out to me. He's like, I have this mastermind that I put together and I really like have you come and speak to them. These are like high net worth people and it is going on and on. And I wanted someone who I trust and someone who I know is an expert. And I'm, I literally have spoken to the guy once, like a, two years, you know, a year ago, whatever. But he feels like he knows me because he sees me every single day. And, and that, that's incredible. Yeah, and he could potentially have heard you talk for hours and hours if he's exactly. listened to your show or if he's listened to you on other shows. And I mean, I've heard that exact same thing of people kind of giving that same feedback of whether they've been podcasting for a long period of time, right? And you get that feedback where somebody you've never met and then they get on the call with you. I feel like I know you because it was described, I remember hearing Hunter Thompson talk about it on his show or, or different means. He kind of said that it's one of the most intimate forms of communication, right? Where somebody you're in between their ears, right? Like yeah. in their ears, like <laughs> hearing on a personal level. And that's kind of where like the value of a, of a show like yours, where you're actually getting to the core of somebody like their authenticity and, and sharing those stories that that's probably people that listen to a show of yours might know you better or hear when they hear one of your episodes, they might know you better than somebody that's actually like in your network that you know you're seeing on a regular basis because how often are you having those in-depth one-hour conversations with somebody where you're sharing authentic stories, laying it out all on the line where you're just talking for an hour straight. Like, and then some people people can listen to like hours and hours of your content. Like, so that's the thing, right? Like so through branding, social media and in online presence, like you can have complete strangers know you better than people like actually in your close sphere of influence, right? Which is yeah. pretty amazing, right? Actually, another thing here is you kind of talked about, we didn't talk about it yet, but the LinkedIn challenges that you do, like you basically bring together a whole bunch of people, get them to utilize a platform the right way and kind of challenge people to post on a regular basis through these periodic challenges that you bring up. Can you talk a little bit about that and what kind of, got you into starting that and, and how it all came about? Because I mean, it seems like it's grown substantially over the last little while. Yeah. The, the goal, the goal and really how I put it together was, is really just to encourage people to use the platform and to kind of teach people through experience what the power of LinkedIn is and how you can actually utilize it by creating content and by engaging with other people's content to kind of create like, create those uh, relationships by engaging with other people's content. You actually create relationships. You end up like 
having conversations and, and meeting people that way. And it's kind of like pushing people at a, at a networking event. And so I view LinkedIn as like a, a full-time networking event. Okay. And so if you're good at networking, even if you're not, but if you, you get good at LinkedIn, just kind of learn how it works and what to do, you're going to get so much out of it because you're going to meet the right people. And when you meet the right people, it's not necessarily those right people who are going to, you know, be doing business with you or, or you can invest with you, but, but they will know someone. And I, I think I gave this example recently to someone where, where, um, you know, if you go to a networking event and you're just like, walk up to someone and be like, uh, or someone walks up to you and like, Hey, I'd love to tell you all about how all the leads I can get for you. Right. I got this lead generation, you know, sales tool and, you know, it, all the best realtors in your neighborhood, right. Use this. So for sure you want to use it. And you're looking at the guy like, you don't even know, I'm not even a realtor. Like, why would you come up to me and even say that? That's just weird. Right. So you get those messages on LinkedIn sometimes, right. These kind of spam salesy, you know, bots or messages from people and they just don't take the time. But when you do it right and you go up to meet someone, instead you go up and you, you meet someone at a networking event and you're like, Hey, nice to meet you. Uh, you know, what do you do? Or just like find their content and you're like working on their content and like, uh, you know, commenting on the thing, like you actually get to know someone that way. And, and instead of coming up and saying what you do immediately and trying to reach out to people and tell them what you do, actually go and try to find out how you can help other people and learn about them. Then they'll get to know you because you're, you know, you, you know, they've let the guard down uh, to a certain extent. So instead, you're much more likely to get referrals that way because people know you. And, you know, instead of going up to some random person and maybe, you know, 2% of those people you'll actually hit a good, a good lead source, instead go up to 100% of the people and just try to offer value and try to help them. Then everyone will see you and like, oh, by the way, hey, I, I you know, actually my brother's a realtor or, or my cousin's, you know, wife is a realtor. She would probably be able to use your service, right? So you're going to get that in an indirect way by just being, being normal. <laughs> yeah, totally. I agree with that. And I'm actually thinking of uh, an example you posted recently. I don't know if it was today or a couple of days ago that it actually popped up in my feed, but it, it showed up in my feed today where basically you put an example of somebody that referred business to you and you had to comment on their, on the post, which basically said like, you want people to be talking about you when you're not in the room. Right. And that's exactly where you had screenshotted an image of somebody right. referring you business like online saying, I think it was on bigger pockets saying, Hey, Yona's the guy to talk to about cost segregations. And that's just exactly what you're talking about. You provided so much value. And I don't know if you'd worked with this person before or, or however it worked, but they trust you. They're giving you a referral when you're not there. Right. Which is exactly. amazing is because of the, the value you've created for other people. Right. So I'm sure you could talk about that this all day, this topic. And I mean, cause you're, you're so scaled in it, right. And have provided so much value along your journey here. So I start, I kind of want to start wrapping up this conversation here and kind of take it into our final four questions. So the first question here is, what is your favorite real estate or business book? Um, I think the favorite real estate book I'll say um, is um, the bigger, the sorry, the best ever syndication book, Joe Fairless. Really great book. And the reason why is because he's a marketing guy and I relate very much to marketing people because I, I think 
like Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm a big fan of, and I could have mentioned, you know, any number of his books that, that he's put out. But he says that everyone is in marketing, right? Every business and everyone, you are in marketing. And, you know, happens to be your real estate investor, right? Also, or you do cost irrigation also, or you sell pizza, whatever it is, but you're really in the marketing business. And that's how you have to see yourself. And so Joe was a marketing, you know, executive turned real estate investor, syndicator, and he walks you through, um, you know, how to become a syndicator, literally step-by-step, which is awesome, uh, very detailed, but he comes at it from marketing experience. So he talks a lot about building that social media presence and that, you know, thought leadership platform and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I like it. Yeah, that is a fantastic book and it's so detailed and he just lays out everything for you. So yeah, you gave away the secrets. So that's a great book to definitely learn the business, right? So what is one thing you wish you knew when you got started in real estate investing? Um, I think I knew, I, I think I wish I would have known what I know now much more, which is that the power of your network, right? Just just building your network. And I, I learned it pretty quickly, but um, but I, I just you know wish I put more effort into uh, building those relationships early on because really that's where it all Right. So what's a daily habit that helps you be successful in real estate? Uh, I, I wouldn't say a habit as much as, I mean, I pray every day a lot. I'm a very uh, devout Orthodox Jew that we pray all, all the time throughout the day, in fact. But, um, but that's something that really helps because it just focuses your mind into your why, focusing your, you know, your mind into why you do what you do and and what life's really all about and purpose instead of just kind of going through the grind and being too busy. Perfect. Yeah. And when you're not working, when you're not thinking about cost segregations, what are you doing for fun? Um, I do podcasts for fun. This is what I do, Marcus. This is fun for me. No, but seriously, <laughs> I, I mean, I have six kids. So basically anytime I'm not working, I'm just trying to spend as much time with them. Yeah, that's great. So family's super important and that's a big family of yours. Wow. I actually come from a family of, I've got six siblings, so seven, seven kids total, but uh, yeah, you got a big family yourself and must keep your hands full and keep you busy all the time. So last thing here is if our listeners want to learn more about you, what you got going on or connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Best way to find me is LinkedIn, believe it or not, or you can go to uh, yonawice.com and learn all about uh, what else, whatever else we're doing. Perfect. So, Yona, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. You added a ton of value, really dug deep into the cost segregations and, and made tax fun for all of us to learn about. So thanks again for coming on the show and, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Marcus, my pleasure. Okay, take care. If you want to get in touch with me directly to learn more about real estate or to see all of the available podcast episodes and show notes, visit my website, marcuscron.com. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. If you enjoy the podcast or if it provides value in any way, make sure to leave a five-star review. This helps the show attract top quality guests who will be able to provide even more insight into how you can build wealth through real estate. Talk to you next time.